welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. All right, awesome. Well, um, I felt maybe two or three weeks ago, I felt um, the Lord just wake me up in the night. You know, sometimes He just wakes us up and and it's just these moments of clarity sometimes that where he, he just speaks or He just says one thing or just these epiphanies that He can give. And just the, maybe three weeks ago, I just had, I woke up in the middle of the night with just this one sentence in mind, which was, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And in bringing this message today, it's why, well, I feel like I'm, I'm speaking on the teacher of the fivefold, which we'll get into, but I felt God teaching me from that statement of, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And in fact, the whole of Apes, the whole apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, all of it, um, you know, without his power and our weakness, it's just it's just our own works. It's just our own striving. So um, in, in speaking this message today, it's probably going to be in a way that's less in my comfort zone. So forgive me, give me some grace if I get disjointed or, you know, lose my train of thought. Don't worry, we'll, we'll get to the end sometime. But that's where I'm coming from. So with that, let's just quickly pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence here. Lord, I just yield all of my strength to you. Lord, I come in, in weakness, in, in all my inability, in all my insufficiency. Lord, I just hand it over to you. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would feed, feed us today. Feed us by your word. Feed us by your truth and your words of life. Lord, open up the scriptures to us today. Give us revelation. Give us teaching. We thank you for your presence. And Lord, Holy Spirit, I just pray you would move in this place and touch people's hearts today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Calvin. All right, so as I said, we are speaking on the Fivefold Family series. We're, we're approaching the end. We've done three out of five. We've done Apostle, we've done Evangelist, we've done Shepherd. Today, I get to speak on Teacher. Okay, so um, all of it is for the purpose, really, to show you and help you understand that you are equipped with each of these giftings that come from Ephesians 4.11. And we'll, we'll just recap it quickly. So, Michael, if you could put that on the screen. Ephesians 4, verse 11. This is everything that we're speaking from. So Christ himself gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. So the gifts came from Christ himself. He gave it to the church. When he ascended to heaven, he didn't leave his church unequipped. He didn't leave us helpless. He didn't leave us without the tools we needed. And the tools for what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. The saints are you and me. To equip us to do his work. 
to the building up of the body of Christ, to build up this body. So as if you are part of the body, he's chosen you and he's gifted you to contribute to the growth of that body. That's what your, the role of the, the apest is, to help you contribute a gift to help the body build up, to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So who has attained the full measure of Christ? I shouldn't see any hands because we won't have that until Christ's return. So that means this is still applicable, okay? Because until we reach the full knowledge of Jesus, until we reach the full maturity, which is when Jesus will come back, he will take his bride. He's currently preparing the bride for his return, okay? And so until that time, he's left us with these gifts to be able to reach maturity and to reach the fullness of the measure of Christ, okay? So each one of you is gifted with these gifts inside of you. There are some people who are called to a full-time calling. That's where we get, you know, the Billy Grahams, who was an amazing evangelist, the the Wigglesworth, who was an amazing teacher, or Ben Fitzgerald in our modern day. He's doing great things in in Germany and Europe. He's an Australian, but he's using his full-time calling of evangelism. You might be called to that, but probably the majority of us actually aren't going to be in that context. And so I want you, and the whole purpose of APEST, this fivefold family, is to help you see that the one spirit that was on Jesus, the one spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that one spirit lives in you. And if he gifts, gives the gifts, then he's gifted each and every one of you to help mature the body, to help bring us into the fullness of the measure of Christ, okay? So that's what we're looking at, the fivefold. You might look through a lens of one where you, you've just, by God's unique design in you, you know, he's given each of us different strengths. He's you know, wired some people to think one way more than another. But if that's the lens that you find yourself, you might think, well, I'm, I really hear the word and hear from God through a prophetic lens, then that's great. That's a strength. But that doesn't negate the rest of the gifts. That doesn't nullify your ability to operate in the rest of the gifts because you will find yourself in situations, in circumstances where Holy Spirit's saying, I need you to be a teacher here or I need you to be an evangelist here. I need you to shepherd this person through this. And so he's going to equip you in those moments and bring out these giftings. So it's not just one, although you might have a strength in one, but it's to help you understand that you can operate in all of these, okay? So today we're looking at teacher. And there's so many examples we could look at. Uh, We could look at Jesus's ministry, you know. It says all throughout the Gospels that he taught with authority, that the crowds were amazed by his teaching because he taught with authority and not as the scribes, the experts of the law. They knew the law, but they didn't teach with authority. You know, he, he, he taught in the synagogues in a formal context where he would, you know, on the Sabbath, pull out the prophets and read and teach from them. And if you notice, actually, in the Gospels, every time he taught in the synagogue, he usually deliberately did something or said something to offend the religious experts. You know, he would say something that would cause them to get all stirred up and riled up, or he would demonstrate, he would perform a miracle. And you can see every time they were watching him closely. And so he taught in the synagogue, yes, in, a, in unpacking the scriptures, but to also rebuke the religious spirit inside of the, the experts of the law at the time. 
And then we see he, he taught on the hillsides, he taught on the shoresides, he taught to the crowds, he taught in homes. So Jesus modelled this amazing gift of teaching. He was always operating in teacher mode, no matter who he came across, whether he came to the well, the woman at the well, suddenly there was an opportunity to teach. You know, all, it's not just someone up on a platform that is a teacher. That's the first thing we need to get out. In fact, 1% of people will probably be on a platform like this in a formal setting, but 100% of us are going to be called to ministry, right, in our everyday life. 100% of us are going to be teaching in, in our workplaces, in our community, in our families. Um, so the goal of today, I guess, in talking about the teacher is to help you understand that there is a teacher inside of you, okay? There is no prerequisite for, what, you know, intelligence, which we'll look at, but there is a teacher inside of you. And so let's kind of, first of all, just look at what is a teacher, the context of when a teacher's operating and, and what makes up a teacher. But it might evoke for you, I'm sorry, high school students, I don't want to traumatize you from a year nine, you know, horror science teacher. I know I made mine cry, but we actually, she was actually a Christian as well. And by year 12, we, we, were, we loved each other. So uh, she forgave me for that. Um, but it might evoke images of academia, you know, the classroom, the, the, the desk and the note taking and the, the lecture up the front. And while that's one environment that a teacher operates in, regardless of whether it's one person teaching or everyday life, the goal of a teacher is to educate. It's to help open our eyes and bring understanding, okay? It's to bring enlightenment and wisdom to a certain subject. So some of the Old Testament words for teacher, it doesn't necessarily use teacher or teaching, but there's some other words that the Old Testament will use. Words like illumination, words like inspiration, words like vision. And so you can see the whole purpose of teaching is to give this understanding, to open the eyes, to open our eyes, okay? And so if we apply this in a Christian context, the goal of a Christian teacher is to do the same thing, is to bring understanding to the scriptures, to bring understanding to the life that Jesus has called us to live, right? To illuminate in us the, the word, to bring it to life. And why do we need, need that? Because we all need help. Frankly, there's a lot of scripture in here and a lot of it goes over our heads. And so teachers come along, whether it's formally or informally, teachers come along to help us understand, to help us live out the word and bring us to understand these things. And there's three things that, well, there's probably more, but there's three things that Paul kind of pointed out of what he wanted to achieve in his bringing understanding in, in the epistles, right? When he's writing to the churches, there's three things that you can find that he wanted to achieve by teaching. The first one is to mature us, to mature us in Christ, it says in Colossians 1, verse 28. So it goes back to Ephesians 4, you know, to bring us into a maturity. What is maturing? It's your spiritual man growing up. It's not living as an infant, not living on milk, but with teaching, with understanding, we can grow in maturity until we obtain, attain the, the likeness of Christ. So that's the first one. He wanted to mature us. The second thing, he wants to transform us more into Christ's image. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, to transform us more into the image of Christ. So teaching should help us to mature and then reflect the image of Jesus more and more. 
So if you are learning, if you are hearing, if you are understanding the word, the point is it transforms your image to reflect more of Jesus. And that's what Paul wanted to achieve in his teaching. And then thirdly, so he wanted to mature us. He wants to transform us into Christ's image. And thirdly, he wants to assure us of Christ's love and his promises. Because we live in a difficult life. This is a hard life. This is, there's trials. There's suffering. And we need to know and be assured of Christ's love and his promises over us. So Ephesians 3, verse 16 to 19, that's where he talks about assuring us, the brethren, of Christ's love in us. So when we are taught, we are reminded that Jesus loves us and he has declared promises over us in this life. And you can bring yourself to remind yourself of these things and and give yourself hope, all right? And this should be the goal of all teachers today, to mature, to transform, and to assure us of the promises of Jesus. And teaching in conjunction with the word is how we get fed, okay? So reading the word feeds us and then understanding the word feeds us. It's these two things together. And maybe if you feel like you're stagnant, maybe if you feel like you're not growing or not maturing, you're not quite grasping, why do other people get the sense of like this joy that they're living in? Why do they have that but I'm not quite there? Well, you could look at one of these two things. Maybe you're not in the word enough. And a lot of Christians today, they one of the main reasons that we don't read enough of the word is because we just don't know where to start. But a simple tip that someone helped me with was to just read 10 chapters a day, for example. You can start anywhere, but wherever you start, if you read 10 chapters of the New Testament every single day, you will complete it within a month. Just 10 chapters. And so you could start Matthew chapter 1, read 10 chapters. And if you don't get to 10, then the next day just start where 10 would have finished off. But that way you'll progress through the word and you'll get more of it into you. And that word will mature you and transform you. It's not about comprehension yet, you know? Like we can read a lot and not comprehend it, but there will be arrows that God fires at you because, you know, the more that you consume, the more rhema words that he's going to give you. You can't get the rhema word without the actual Logos word, okay? So the more you read, like if that's, if that's you, that's okay. We're, we're all starting, we're all, you know, learning. But just try to get more of the word into you, all right? Just start with 10 chapters and see how you go. You'll, you'll probably find you'll progress a lot through the, through the word. So that's the goal of the Christian teacher. And so maybe let's look at some of the qualities that a teacher might have. Now, this isn't the be-all and end-all. These are just some practical things that maybe you can identify in yourself. Um, it doesn't mean if you have these things, you are a great teacher. It doesn't mean if you don't have them, you're not a teacher. It's just that, like I said, God has wired us individually. He's designed us uniquely and beautifully. And so I'll read through these things and maybe you might identify with them, okay? But a teacher, they're unique in the way that they process information. So who's our logical and analytical thinkers in the room? There's not many, actually. Yeah, there we are. Yeah, okay. Um, now... That doesn't mean you're less creative. That doesn't mean you're less in touch with your emotions. It's just a way that God has wired your brain to think, okay? So the logical and the analytical thinkers, they just have a knack for being able to see a piece of information and go, well, A, B, and C equals D. And meanwhile, there's someone else who's scratching their head going, how do you see that? Like, But they have this logical flow where they can just take the information and they take the big picture and they can just make it small, make it simple. 
right? So that might be you. If you are one of those thinkers, you might have the knack for just being able to take big, complex ideas. Look at the way Jesus taught about the kingdom of heaven, right? A big concept, the kingdom of heaven. And people, when he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, people are probably gearing up going, oh, here we go. What's he going to give us? The kingdom of heaven, this big, big thing is like a child or is like a mustard seed. Two very small things, right? But he takes this big idea, almost so impossible to grasp, well, it is, and he makes it almost too small to even like comprehend it. You're like, what? How is it like a child? Like, that's so small. How is it like a, a mustard seed? But he takes a big idea and he makes it small and he, he communicates that effectively. So, Another way you might be a teacher is the way you, you think. Teachers are often the philosophers, the, the question askers, the hypotheses, right? They're the ones that are just, they have this curiosity and this thirst for knowledge. And so it leads them on these deep dives and they study things and they just need to know. And so the way they think, they want to, you know, they want the answers and they want to know. They just, I, I know my wife hates it because I'll bring up these ridiculous hypothetical you know, realities. And she doesn't even want to engage in the conversation because she's like, but that can't even happen. Like, I, uh, we had this, our, our arguments are over theology and nothing else, really. <laughs> but like, I was talking about Adam and Eve. I was like, well, if Adam didn't sin when Eve offered him the apple, could Adam then, because he was sinless, technically lay down his life for Eve and save humanity in that... Uh, anyway, it was just a hypothesis. And she was like, I'm not even engaging in this conversation. This is ridiculous. So, but, you know, there's a bit of a battle between the, the teacher mind, the, the prophetic mind, anyway. Um, but also the way you observe. Teachers have this ability to see patterns, see recurring themes. You know, they can read a passage of Scripture and go, oh, yep, these words are repeated. These words keep coming up. I can see the bigger picture. I can see how these themes, how God's linking this in, how Jesus is linking this into his teaching. So maybe if you have this keen eye for detail, the sharp eye where you can just pick up things. If these are in you, if you identify with these, I want to encourage you that there's probably this teaching gift that Holy Spirit wants to draw out. You're the ones our small groups need to bring teaching, right? You guys are the ones that are gifted to help enlighten. And like we said at the start, to bring understanding and to educate. So there's some of the qualities. Like I said, it's not the be-all and end-all. doesn't mean you are or you aren't. They're just some strengths that a teacher might have that God's put in them. But if that's what a teacher is, let's take a look at how do you know that the, the teaching gift is inside of you? Because this isn't just for some people in the room. There's a teacher inside of everyone, okay? So how do you know that the teaching gift is inside of you? The first thing is the teacher is not, like I said, the expert. It is not about intelligence. It's not about the most studied person, the most head smart person. The prerequisite for teaching is not your credentials. So everyone can take a, a, a sigh of relief because it's not up to our intelligence, right? I used to think in my Bible college days, we had a couple of teachers that, well, one of them was a high school teacher. He, he, that was his profession. But I thought that the requirement to be a teacher was you have to have done four years of teaching. We had a doctor in theology, so he did his Bachelor of Theology, then a PhD in theology. So he knew the ancient Greek, the ancient Hebrew, and I thought, well, that's the qualification to be able to teach the word. But no, those things help. Knowledge helps, right? Absolutely. But that's not going to be what's anointed. What's anointed is the spirit inside of you. And so 
I want you to understand that there is a teacher inside of you and it's not a prerequisite for intelligence. It's not wisdom. Um, I think of, of Wes, my brother. He, he gave me permission to say this, but <laughs> he admits himself. He's like, man, I don't really process information in the way most people process. He finds it a little bit difficult when there's just an overload of information, right? But God teaches through him in such a beautiful way. Like, I'm so proud of him because, you know, in our uh, young adults like eConnects, God, like, he'll share a dream or a vision that God speaks through him. And he's literally, like, teaching us scripture that he doesn't even know is in the Bible because he's, like, he's, he's struggling to, to grasp it all and put it all together. But God gives him visions and dreams that he shares to us. And then we're all, like, gobsmacked going, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. That's scripture that you're speaking. And he doesn't even know it. So Jesus and Holy Spirit is actually teaching through him, even though he's fully admitted that, yeah, yeah I'm not going to be the, the sharpest, you know, in the room. I'm not the, the brightest person in the room. Okay, so it's not intelligence. But let's turn to Matthew chapter 28. And Pastor Matt touched on this in the evangelism um, gifting when he spoke on that. But this is pretty much, this instruction from Jesus, Matthew 28 verse 18, is the linchpin for all of APEST. Okay, everything you see in APEST, it has to be from this instruction. Like it's the, this is the linchpin that holds all of APEST together. So let's just read it from verse 18. It says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this is right before Jesus is about to depart. He's pretty much commissioning his disciples to become apostles. Okay, but like I said, when he ascended to heaven, he didn't leave the church unequipped. In the same way, he says to the disciples, all authority has been given to me. Now you guys go because I'm going to, I have to leave, but you guys are going to carry on the work, right? And so he equipped them. And if we look at this, so Jesus came up to them saying, all authority has been given to me. Notice where it says anything about you in the pretext. There's nothing. It's all about Jesus. And then verse 19, go therefore, or flip the words, therefore go. So the prerequisite is not you, is not your ability. The prerequisite is Jesus. All authority has been given to him. Therefore, I'm giving it to you. So you guys go. What is going? Going is using the apostolic gift. Go into the community. Go into your teaching, your, your, your classrooms. Go into your families. Go into your small groups. Be that apostle in your own world, right? Go into all the nations. Make disciples. That's, that's evangelism. That's using, that's using your, your ability to evangelize, your gift to evangelize. Speak to them. Speak to anyone that listens and make disciples. Teach them the truth, Use prophecy. Do you know you can use prophetic words for (laughs) non-Christians? It's not just the walls of the church that allow prophecy to happen. But uh, in Corinthians, it says, if you prophesy to an unbeliever, 
you reveal the secrets of their heart to them and they fall to their knees in confession of Jesus. So if you have a prophetic gift, practice it. Ask Holy Spirit, what's a word I can have for my workplace? Because you will reveal something in their heart and it's only by Holy Spirit that you could know that and they're going to know that and they're going to go, whoa, how did you know that? And then you can lead them to Jesus, right? Make disciples, baptize them, be a shepherd to them. Get alongside them in their mess when they want to repent. Come alongside them. Get in the water with them. Deliver them from demons. Lay hands on them and and pray the Holy Spirit over them, right? That's what a shepherd does. That gets amongst them. And teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So teaching is directly linked to discipleship. And this is the difference between the classroom, the theory, and the real-life application. Discipleship has to have a flow-on effect. If it just stops here with you guys listening, or if, if Matt's preaching, if it just stops there, it's not true discipleship. Discipleship has to have a flow-on effect. That's how, the, that's how the body grows. And so teaching is actually linked to discipleship. That means if we're all called to disciple, guess what? We're all called to teach. And teach what? Teach them to obey and observe the commandments of Jesus. Teach them to be more like Jesus. Teach them how he lives. Teach them to, okay, that's, that's actually sin in your life. Like, you want to be more like Jesus, if they're a Christian, obviously. But if they're not a Christian, you can open their eyes. It says, open their eyes and free them from darkness, okay? So he's called all of us to disciple. The disciples on this, in this context is just a reflection of us. The commission didn't stop with the disciples or else the world would never be reached. He equipped all of us. We are just the... So you could read this and think of yourself. Think of Jesus speaking to you about this, okay? Um, But yeah, discipleship, teaching, it's about passing on that knowledge and that understanding that we talked about. That's what it's all about. So all of us have the capacity to disciple, whether it's one or two people, whether it's your family, your, your children, your children learn off you. <laughs> they see and they observe. I remember my dad, he, he, would, he worked in banking, so he had to get up early in the morning. And I would wake up, and sometimes it's, you know, 3.30, 4 a.m., and I, every single morning I could see the light on in his study, and he was there having his quiet time without fail. But you know what it did? It taught me how much he valued his quiet time, and it made me go, he values this so much, he's sacrificing even more hours of his, of his day he knows he's not going to get much time at night. So he's going to get up early and he's going to get with Jesus. And that taught me the value of that. I went, wow, if he doesn't give that, that up a single day, then I need to make this a priority in my life, okay? Um, it could be a cafe group, you know, Robin and Wendy. Hello, Robin. Welcome back. They, <laughs> they, they meet up for coffee with a bunch of people, Christians and non-Christians alike, and they teach in that capacity, all right? Without even knowing it, you're, you're actually operating in the calling of teacher, right? Um, I think of Colin. Colin has a men's group once a month and we all have a hobby of whiskey, but they're non-Christians as well and Christians alike that get around and we talk about mental health, we talk about marriage, we talk about work-life balance and Colin steps into the role of teacher. They don't even know that he's teaching biblical principles, but he's able to speak into their life, you know, and we're able to encourage each other and it's, it's an amazing group, honestly, like we have a lot of fun. All right, so there is a teacher inside of you, You are commissioned to make disciples, to teach, okay? So how do we live as a teacher? Let's just turn to Acts chapter 19.
So Acts 19 and 20, it is, it shows the story of Paul basically ministering in the, the town of Ephesus. Okay, so uh, chapter 19, verse 1. In fact, we're going to read from 1 to 10. And I want to show you three ways that Paul actually modelled teacher. And this is for all of us to be able to apply as well. So uh, chapter 19, verse 1, it says, It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. Just as you do, just found some disciples. But he was passing on. He was just moving on to the next destination. And it it was Ephesus. He found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So these are some new believers that haven't even been taught about, you know, everything that the Word promises us. And Paul identifies this and goes, oh, you don't even know this. Well, let me teach you. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. There were in all about 12 men. And he entered the synagogues and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And that's like a private synagogue without all the whispering ears telling them, yeah, that's not right. So he kind of went away. And, and then it says, this took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So in passing through the upper country, Paul finds himself at Ephesus, finds 12 disciples that didn't know that there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. He starts engaging with them, finding where they're at, becoming a shepherd to them, right? And then he teaches them about what truth there was. And then he stays with them for two years. Now, I know we're not going to be going to a a town or a city for two years. You know, we've got a life that we're living. But the principle is is this. In fact, we're going to see it in Acts chapter 20, right? We won't read this. I'll just go through some of the verses. But there's three ways that Paul modelled himself as a teacher. And in fact, he actually stayed in, in... Ephesus for a total of three years, it says in Acts 20. So three years he was living there. So he modeled the teacher through three, by three, thing, three things. The first one was his life, okay? He was amongst them, right? He lived amongst them and they knew him. They, they rubbed shoulders with him, right? When he went to the market, when he went into the synagogue, when he went to, I don't know, hang with the boys at the, the restaurant, he was rubbing shoulders with these people for three years and they were able to see his life, okay? So his students were the people that he was actually doing life with. He knew them deeply and likewise, they knew him. Okay, so Acts 20 verse, uh, verse 20. I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. So he was engaging with them on a regular basis. He was, just as we would go over to people's houses, that's how, that's what he used the environment to teach in. Okay. Um, it was woven into his whole life. Acts 20 verse 31. It says, I 
for three years, a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. So they saw by the way he lived. He had such a passion for them and their salvation that he, it brought him to tears, the love that he had for them. And they could see this. They could see that he cared about them, right? Um, Acts 20 verse 35 in everything, I showed you that by working hard in this matter, manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So the previous verse in 34, it says, these hands ministered to my own needs. He worked, you know, he was working, he was a working man. And they saw that he worked and he supported himself and he chose, I want to actually be a blessing to you guys and not take the money. You know, I'm not, I, I just want to work harder. And so he used that time as a place to engage with them and they got to know him. So he taught by his life. Number two, he taught by his character. Chapter 20, verse 19 says, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, patience through the trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. So he reflected the image of Jesus. Remember what Paul was wanting? He want us, wants us to transform into the image of Christ. He displayed that himself. He didn't just talk the talk, he walked it. He lived this and they saw his humility. They saw how he suffered through trials, but that he was willing to, to bear that, to be patient through those sufferings. Okay, um, verse 24, it says, it shows his willingness to die for Jesus. It says, I did not consider my life of any account as dear, dear to myself. So they saw that this guy believes this so much that he's willing to die for Jesus. So his character reflected what he was teaching. Okay, and then the third thing that we can learn from this chapter, he taught by scripture. The first two, his life and his character, will never be possible if he's not founded on scripture. It says in verse 20, again, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly. He didn't shrink back from the uncomfortable parts of Scripture. He didn't share just the, oh, you're saved by grace, and everything's going to be prosperous. No, he, he didn't shrink back from declaring anything, again, because he cared for their eternal salvation, right? Again, in verse 27, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. He didn't just cherry pick this one because it sounds good. He didn't hold back the name of Jesus, okay? He didn't talk about religion without mentioning the one that we build our life around, Jesus. He didn't shrink back from that. And so his life and his character was a reflection of his foundation in the Word. And this is why we need, like I said, we need to be reading the Word. We need to get this into us. Simon Peter said to Jesus, where would we go? You have the words of life. David in the Psalms would continually write, you revive me by your Word by your commands, all right? If you need reviving, if you need life, it's found in here. And this will transform your speech. It'll transform your character. It'll transform your life. And you can be a teacher through these things, okay? So this is how we live it as a teacher. Do people in your life learn something off you? Are the people in your workplace, the people, do they even know that you're a Christian? Maybe that's something that you need to start asking Holy Spirit. Can I start talking about this? Okay, that's the first open door. As soon as they ask what you did on the weekend and you can be bold enough to say, well, I was in church, <laughs> then the floodgates open and they're like, oh, you're one of them. But it's good. It unlocks a lot of ways to talk. 
Do Christians know that you're a follower of Jesus? Do they see that your life is different, that you are dripping with honey and oil in every step you take, in every word you say? Because you will teach them and inspire them by your words, by, by the life in you. Um, do they know your character? I think of Michael. He shared this last week. I wasn't at your table, but I heard about he he works in a, as a tattoo artist, right? So he's rubbing shoulders with some, you know, more edgy people sometimes, or people that don't align with his views, you know, even new age and stuff like. Um, so he's amongst them. But he shared that the way that he feels able to evangelize or teach is he's so gracious. He just he's quick to say yes. He's kind to everyone. He's just willing to do the jobs, and so eventually over time this adds up people start to see these things and go what is different about Michael what is it and they'll ask the questions eventually or some people say that well, there's just peace about you you're so calm that's the open door to be able to talk about what Jesus is doing in you and you step into the role as teacher okay do your children know all right do they see your life Parents, they, they really learn off you, which I'm not a parent, so I'm not going to speak as one, but I just know as a child, I learned so much, as I said. But, you know, do Bible studies with them after dinner. I remember Dad opening this big picture Bible, and he would just take us through from Genesis, and that's where I started to learn the stories of the Old Testament. I got familiar with the Word. We did Bible studies on a Sunday. We set aside an hour to pray as a family. It can be awkward at the start, but the more you learn it, the more comfortable you get, okay? So that's how we can be teachers. There's a teacher inside all of you. How are we doing for time? We're good. We've still got 10 minutes. All right. So now coming to what I was talking about at the start, let's turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The better way, the more sustainable way to teach. I love this chapter. In fact, these 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. Paul is, well, the, the church of Corinth, right? Corinth was in Greece, and it was, a pretty, it was known to be a pretty wicked city. And there were new believers that were struggling to differentiate life with their neighbours and the Christian walk, okay? So there's a few, you know, things that he's coming up against. And what's more, the Greeks were the greatest philosophers of the time. They were the thinkers. They were the ones that had all the wisdom and earthly knowledge, right? They, in fact, they actually thought, scholars will say that some of the, the Greek, like, chief orators and stuff, they thought Paul was a heathen god, Mercury, because he was a chief speaker and he was coming as a heathen god, right? So they had, they, they were like a formidable crowd. Um, but it says, in fact, uh, we'll read from chapter 2, verse 1. It says, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. Remember, the prerequisite is not elegance, eloquence, rather. <laughs> you can be elegant, that's all right. Um, it's not intelligence, it's not wisdom. He came without the superiority of speech. No wisdom proclaiming to you just the testimony of God. Look at this in verse 2. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And Paul was one of the experts, you know, we, we know his reputation was one who knew the law very, very well. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. So he could have come with his list of credentials going, I'm going to pull down their arguments like this. I'm going to show them where they're wrong. But he determined in himself to know none of that. 
He left it all at the door. And he said, I don't want to go into battle with my wisdom and my strength or else I'm going to lose. Because as soon as we start coming in our strength, that's when things go wrong, right? So he left that. I determined to know nothing except Jesus, the person of Jesus and him crucified, his death and his resurrection. That's what he came to the Corinthians with. (laughs) These great philosophers who are expecting amazing things. He came with the simplicity of the gospel and taught from that place. So what is the better way to teach? It's to leave all of it, all the other stuff. You know, we hear so much preaching in, in the past, days gone past, where it's just motivational. It's just topical and people are leaving unfilled and unfed because we're coming with more of our strength and more of our fancy sermons than just the purity of the gospel. Did you know up until 500 years ago, everyone would gather around communion as the main point of of gathering, the body and the blood of Jesus. And there's, there's room for teaching, but it wasn't until a man came along and said, actually, we want to focus more heavily on the teaching that we actually disregarded the most important thing, which was the blood and the body of Jesus. And, well, that's a whole other sermon, but hey. <laughs> Verse three, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Think of Paul, this great apostle that we know, who comes, who steps in, and this lowly statured, you know, meek man who's probably got this quiet voice in front of them all. He comes in weakness, in fear of God, in trembling, thinking, I'm more concerned about the words of Jesus coming through me than my own words. So he comes, you know, this guy's nervous, but, you know, to be honest, he did it. He, he did a excuse my profanity, he did a bit of a ballsy thing, you know. He came just going, leave it all out, I'm coming with just Jesus. Verse 4, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And we need more people who are willing to demonstrate the power of God than rely on their own wisdom and their own teaching. Okay. The teaching on its own is just information, but information with an impartation from the Spirit is when lives change. That's why people are leaving unfilled and unfed and they don't like coming to church because it's like, what are we getting? We're just getting words, but where's the power and where's the life? So he said, I'm going to leave all of the other stuff because when I get out of the way and I yield all my strengths to Holy Spirit, I've pointed them to Jesus and now Holy Spirit can come and actually do his job. The problem is we leave Holy Spirit on the sideline time and time again. He's there waiting. He's saying, put me in, coach. And we're going, no, no, just you're our best player, but just hang hang there, you know. And we just leave him. And then nothing changes. And then we go, yeah, we're the man. We can do this. I'll bring my message today. But no, Holy Spirit is the one with the power and he wants to demonstrate. He wants to demonstrate through you. He wants to use you and equip you and empower you to be this to other people in your life, okay? And Paul, he, he backs, backs it up in verse 5, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. And this is like just, you know, this is where I want to I finish, frankly, because I don't, this is what God was telling me. You can't teach on this and come in your own strength. You can't teach on this and expect it to be any, way, any other way. But he's showing me this is the more sustainable way. This is when we're resting in God, when we're coming at his feet and just going, now it's your turn. 
That's when we allow his power. So I want to just give the invitation to people. You may not feel qualified as a teacher. You may not even understand that these gifts are inside of you yet. It may not be a reality, but the Holy Spirit does want to empower you. He wants to equip you. You are equipped. It's just unlocking that and having the the understanding of truth. But for some of you, you might want that. You might want that impartation. And Paul teaches, you know, to lay hands, to stir up the gift and by the laying of, on of hands, impart these gifts into you. He said, uh, James says in James chapter one, if anyone lacks wisdom, okay, there is a place for earthly wisdom, but there's a far superior one and that's heavenly wisdom. James one verse five, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously. You can ask for wisdom. I've been asking since I was 10 years old. When I read that, I saw, whoa, a free gift? Like, I'm gonna start asking for that. And it's not necessarily a moment of, you know, all the secrets of the universe, like the matrix. It's, but Holy Spirit wants to come and help your eyes see the Word, help the the Word come to life. And over the years, as you get into the Word, He's gonna be the one who's teaching you. Holy Spirit is the helper, Jesus said. John 15, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you. That is the spirit of truth. Why do we need the spirit of truth? To discern between false teachers, to discern between what is lies. And He will testify about me and He will testify through you. So there is wisdom from heaven and a spirit of truth who is your helper. And when the Word is combined with the Spirit, it becomes the sword of the Spirit. But the words by itself is just a dull and rusty blade but when the Spirit wields the words through you, it becomes a sword and it becomes something that penetrates hearts and bone and marrow and right, divides right into spirit. So I wanted, I don't know if our eldership is here, if there's people, but we've got staff as well, Tomsey, Wendy and Pat. Um, in fact, Andrea, I want you to come up. Beck, um, if you guys could come up and if anyone, anyone on staff, anyone on eldership, come up and then if you want an impartation of the gifting of, of anything. You can ask for it. You can ask for wisdom. But I want us to lay hands on those people that are hungry for that. Or if you just feel inadequate or unqualified, this is the opportunity to allow the demonstration of the spirit of power, okay? Otherwise, it's just words, okay? But if you're hungry and you have the faith for that, then I want you to, to come up and just ask for prayer. Okay, so maybe if we can get the band and just have a time of worship. In fact, Jamie and Amy, I want you to pray as well. If people are down here, I want you to be able to pray. Simon and Pat as well. So if our eldership and staff could come, but as we worship, if you want wisdom, if you want gifts, there is authority amongst us to be able to you know, pray that in into you and impart something. So come if you're hungry, just receive it. Let the power of God, let the Holy Spirit actually move amongst you. So team, if you just want to lead us in worship and come as you feel. Be filled with the Spirit. Why don't we stand today?
together. Don't let anyone tell you that you don't fit. And the whole purpose of us doing this series, I suppose, is to, I suppose, bring awareness to the fact that we we all fit. Jesus is the head, we are the body. So if you've got areas in your life that you feel that you want to to grow, you want that impartation of the Spirit for some of these gifts, maybe for that to be illuminated and encourage you to come forward. That would be amazing.